Hello and welcome to a special edition of this Back Insider podcast. I'm Nick Clayton, and this week's Back Insider's founder, Christy Marvin, and I speak with Jim Zukin, chairman and founder of Zukin Certification Services. Zukin Certification Services has recently expanded its offerings from examining the public company readiness of potential SPAC targets to providing a reasonable basis review for companies' financial projections. Jim describes why he thinks the SEC has essentially invented a new service with its proposed SPAC rule changes and how such reviews of company projections could become a standard practice in other M&A transactions. Take a listen. Welcome back, Jim. The last time we spoke back in December, Zukin Certification Services was launching to examine the readiness of companies slated to go public via SPACs. But since then, you know, the SEC has put out their initial rule change proposal for SPACs, which prompted you to create the new Reasonable Basis Review or RBR. So maybe let's start there with what is the RBR and how does it fit in with the new SEC proposal? Great. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me back. I, I really appreciate it. And to your question, the, the RBR is a projection review. And what the SEC has called for in their proposed rules is that there be a reasonable basis review of projections. And I'm going to just read it because it says management must have a reasonable basis for its good faith assessment of a registrant's future performance. And then they go on to say that there should be disclosure of the projections and the assumptions. And so they provided the parameters and we created a service around their parameters. I think the key word to focus on is they are saying the word must. People talk about a nice to have or a must have. This is a must have. Now, There is speculation that in time, the SEC will require the full disclosure of formal projections if they are provided by a target to a sponsor and they are relied upon in terms of the negotiations. However, in the current proposed rules, they don't say that. They say that there is a choice, that you can elect not to have projections, in particular pre-revenue or nominal revenue companies. I think it's fair to say they would not expect to see them. If they are filed, the other guidance was that they're looking at two, perhaps three years. So they're not expecting a RBR, a projection review of projections going out beyond three years. Got it, got it. Well, you know, you you also kind of mentioned that the SEC has created a new service. Um, What did you kind of mean by that? But also Maybe you can kind of explain how the RBR is different from a fairness opinion. Sure. What the SEC has asked for in both cases, that these be provided by management. And so they are not saying go outside and get a fairness opinion or go outside and get a RBR report. What they are saying in the case of fairness is that uh, uh, management... uh, must provide a fairness opinion from themselves to the unaffiliated investors. And then in general, companies are going out and they're getting fairness opinions. With fairness opinions, there is, of course, this major issue is that fairness opinions are either issued to sellers or buyers. The term of of art, the, the whole field of fairness opinions is one where they are not delivered to a specific group 
of investors or a specific group of sellers. And so the difference between the fairness opinion and the RBR is that the RBR is secondary financial due diligence. It is not an opinion. As a matter of fact, in talking to major fairness opinion providers, they have told us that it would give them great comfort for there to be a RBR and that uh, they would in fact recommend them uh, and they are in favor of them. So these are complementary, not an either or service. Great. And even looking, you know, more broadly, you know, these proposed rule changes target SPACs specifically. But, you know, wouldn't you think that the same standard would make sense for MA more broadly? Yes, is my short answer. Mm -hmm. uh, these are business combinations. How is this different from a business combination? I would say a caveat is that for a regular way MA, kind of a new way of describing it, if you will, mm -hmm. it would have to be a material acquisition. It's not like every time a public company went out and, and bought a, a private company that they would have to get a RBR, assuming they were given projections. But if it was material in, in a, say, 10%, 20%, 30% of their market cap, then my speculation would be in time that you will see RBRs being used in M&A broadly, and we are actually staffing up for that. We think that will be the case over the next year. Great. And you touched upon it a bit there too, in terms of the demand that you're feeling and you're hearing from the marketplace. You know, can you talk a bit about kind of how those conversations have been going? And even before the SEC rule changes came down, were you getting a sense that there was demand from the teams and the target companies that they felt like there needed to be some more outside work done on the deals? We had been developing our projection review service for some time, and we waited to see, in terms of formal introduction, what the rules would say so that we could craft the service uh, specifically to those rules. But we have been having discussions for several months with the major lawyers, investment bankers, and the SPACs sponsors themselves. And so it's safe to say that before the rules, uh, they were of the camp of could be a nice to have, but was not a necessary service. Then the rules came out and we introduced formally our service. And there was a sea change, but not right away. I think for the first month, at least, people were doing their best to get their hands around the rules. They were pushed back on their back heels when suddenly everybody could be defined as an underwriter. And there were many other provisions, but let's go back to how the rules were named. They are literally named the SPAC projection rules. Projections are the hot button. Projections are the focus. And so say after two months that the rules had been out, then we started having substantive discussions. At this point in time, we have now had several discussions with the major law firms that are leaders in the SPAC practice, with the major underwriters, investment banks that are leaders, period, of course, and in the SPAC practice. And we have seen a sea change. And the sea change is that they all have become focused on this word must, okay? You put in the projections, you must have 
a reasonable basis. And so we have come forward with a service as experts and that our RBR report, we make available so that for inclusion in the proxy and for inclusion in the super 8K. So Jim, kind of coming back to the fairness opinion again, um, just thinking about it, you were instrumental in creating the fairness opinion product back in the day when you were one of the founders of Houlihan Loki. The fairness opinion, it, it wasn't a rule used previously, but it had become very popular out of need. So do you see sort of a similar trajectory with the RBR for the SPAC process? Uh, yes, and we're seeing it directly. We are getting inbound calls from SPACs every day. Sometimes, like yesterday, we had three calls. And so they are intensely interested. They are almost always calling us at the suggestion of their investment bank or their law firm. And we are engaging in substantive discussions. We have signed up for in the last week. And by the way, interestingly enough, we have also signed up two investment banks hmm. uh, that have retained us to perform the, the RBR service. Right, right. Well, we, you know, we kind of touched on it in our last interview, but could you maybe take a minute to describe the experience and qualifications you and your colleagues have in sort of assessing these kinds of assumptions and projections? Well, I'll start with my own background, which is as the co-founder of then Hulahan Loki, Howard and Zukin, uh, much later changed when Hulahan Loki went public to the shorter name, that I have a true wealth of experience with my partners and colleagues at Houlihan Loki, creating the modern fairness opinion, also creating the modern solvency opinion. Now, solvency in particular is fundamentally based on the test that the company be able to pay its debts as they become due. So you do, you need to perform a projection analysis working with the company and the bankers to make sure that the projected cash flows cover the debt payments called for in the loan agreements and do it with a cushion. And so it was that and my involvement in just hundreds of these opinions that I have developed my own expertise. Now, with us here, we also, our senior partner was a managing partner at McKinsey, and our executive director was actually a partner at TPG, but was also effectively the chairman of the World Bank. We have two senior Houlihan Loki bankers, and then we have the classic support staff. And so taken together, we have what we are presenting to the marketplace as a true expertise. And the market has responded, has recognized our expertise. And that is why we are now taking on these clients and why we are being referred a much broader group of sponsors at this point in time. Hmm. And so getting into the nuts and bolts, what are some of the most important factors you look at when assessing a company's projections? Where we start is the industry itself. And we always ask for the industry reports, for access to the industry experts, you will almost always find that there are industry experts, either on the SPAC side, target side, or the bankers. And in fact, oftentimes all three have their own experts. And these are industry experts because we are looking at the totally addressable market. What is it today? 
What is it projected to be? What is its uh, CAGR, compound annual growth? And an estimate of the market shares of the participants, both on a historical and on a projected basis. We then drill down and talk about the market share for the most important products or, or services, who are the current and future customers, and specifically, is there customer concentration? Is there customer churn? What is the market demand? Is there saturation, barriers to entry? We step back and we take a look at the general economic condition and then the factors specific to an industry. We also look externally at inflation and at the potential for recession and in our interaction uh, with the sponsor and the target, we get their views because in all of these cases, what we are looking at, where we spend most of our time is looking at the assumptions themselves. Because when we provide our RBR, what we are saying is that we find the assumptions to have a reasonable basis. We find the construction of the projections themselves, the translation of the assumptions into the projections to be performed uh, in the correct manner. And then as part of this RBR report, we present our findings, which say that we have found these projections to have a reasonable basis. So we literally deliver findings specifically addressing what the SEC has, uh, has required. They require specifically disclosure of the assumptions underlying the projections and the limitations of those projections. And so we dig into that uh, working closely with the sponsor and the target. Now, we also take a look at supply, supply line, manufacturing constraints, concentration. You've read a lot about, you've seen a lot about supply chain constraints. It seems like everything has a, has a chip shortage. I'm unaware of any product with chips in it that is not experiencing some type of shortage. Now, when we go into projections, we are looking to see an increase in the marketing and sales support for these underlying projections. Another thing that, that we do is that all projections have an assumed injection of new capital, the quote net capital. And so that is provided to us in an, in an estimated manner. And so in a proxy where we provide our preliminary report, we use that estimate after we evaluate its reasonable basis. Then at the time of the Super 8K, we know how much capital is, is actually being, being utilized, necessary to be utilized, and of course, what the projections are, are based on. And presumably, the updated projections would, of course, reflect that capital so that it would be consistent. Clearly, if you have projections based on 100% of the funds in trust, as necessary to achieve the projections, and you do not have other uh, backstop or other 
uh, capital coming in, you would have an issue with the reasonable basis of your projections. That's interesting. And that gets into some of the kind of the specifics there that I wanted to ask, just in terms of, because SPAC targets run the gamut of industries and, and co- kind of company types and even company ages. Do you think there's a specific profile of SPAC target that may be most in need of your services and where they might be you know, really impactful um, in particular? I'm going to give you two different scenarios. One is is the major company that has very significant EBITDA, 50, 100 million dollars, okay? And that for them, let's say it's a mature, stable, growing company, is that they want to have the imprimatur. They want to basically have an external look at their projections so that they have that affirmation. They have it not just for the unaffiliated shareholders, but they have it for their institutional investors, those that are providing their pipes, backstops, structured financing, et cetera. They are interested of it in that manner. However, we are seeing a greater interest in those companies that the use of this new capital is going to dramatically increase their revenues and their projected uh, EBITDA. And and be more specific, those that are now moving from negative EBITDA to positive, they specifically find that this third-party expert service is one that really helps them with their credibility. With the big company, it's the affirmation. With the small company it, it or smaller, it can make a real difference. There are many, many SPACs that are coming out into the marketplace. There are marketplace suspicions as to SPACs in general. And so what this does is it supports the company by supporting the projections. It brings the credibility. It brings our credibility to the table. And so those are really the two scenarios. Now I'm going to go to a third. And the third is one that is speculative, where it is just emerging. Maybe it's a uh, biotech, maybe it's a pharma, maybe it's it's an EV with a new application, maybe it's a rocket ship. We are avoiding all of those in terms of where we are taking on clients because of the fact that we don't want to be in a situation uh, where the projections are speculative and where it would be or could be, in our view, difficult to put forward a reasonable basis for the assumptions. And so for those, I have to tell you, they recognize this. And they're not the ones coming to us, okay? <laughs> they are the ones that are not coming to us. And, and if I was a sponsor of one of those companies, I think I would probably forego providing projections in the filing because they do a very good job and they believe in how high is up. But in terms of having credible assumptions, there is a difference between assumption and belief. Now that we've sort of 
drilled down a little bit on what companies are maybe appropriate for the RBR. I want to kind of talk maybe about the bankers, right? Because I imagine a lot of the bigger banks will want to do this in-house. And, and frankly, they should regardless um, as part of their diligence. But the smaller banks, maybe with less infrastructure internally, I would imagine they'd be very interested in this. But I guess I'm, I'm looking for sort of just uh, in general, what sort of feedback have you gotten across a broad spectrum of banks that are underwriting these deals and advising on the back ends? First of all, what we have found for the most part is that the investment banks do a great job of reviewing projections. And for the major investment banks, I think it's safe to say that they're deeply experienced and, and they have the high quality teams and they do review in a serious manner the projections. What we do is we bring in that independent third party expertise. For the smaller investment banks, there is this tier of just incredibly well-qualified, big boutiques. And, and they also have the very high-quality internal teams. There are some smaller investment banks that, that work with the, the emerging growth companies and whatnot. But I would say that those, for the most part, are the companies that are not using projections. Having said that, for a quality, high quality, uh, smaller investment bank, we are now, that's one of the two I mentioned, we, we are now being retained by them. And, uh, and they also separately have just referred us to one of their SPAC clients. And so there is this view from the investment banks and from their, their counsel that this is a time that the RBR service is of particular value and, and in particular, but not only in SPACs. Just sort of following up on that, what do the deliverables look like in the RBR? Like what are you typically including in the RBR final review, what you give to the client? We give the client a summary report. And in the summary report, we have the conclusions that I described before relating to reasonable assumptions and reasonable projections. Now, we actually, for our working papers, prepare a full report that can be taken out and utilized if at some point in the future is called upon. And for an investment bank that is hiring us for their own account, they are looking for that full report. But for the SPAC sponsor who is filing into their proxy, they generally are looking for the summary report, which is what we generally provide for the purpose of a filing. But in each case, we do the same work. The question is the deliverable. Is it the four-page or the 40-page? So what would be the best time in a SPAC's process for the team to approach Zugan Certification Services about going with an RBR, and how do things progress from there? We get asked that question, of course, all the time. And the ideal time to bring us in is, is at the moment when the initial LOI is being executed and the serious due diligence is about to begin. 
then we get retained, we go under NDA. And for us, what we are doing is principally secondary due diligence. And so to be there at the point in time where the diligence is being created, where for the diligence calls that we're able to, to listen in, to get the materials, we always have, of course, complete access to, to the VDR and get other materials. We have access to the teams that are doing, doing the work, but we are looking to be as efficient as, as we can. And so that would be the ideal point in time. Once we have all the information we need, it takes us three to four weeks to complete our work and write the report. Now, there is another time when we can be retained, which is later. And so uh, a SPAC might have already filed a initial S-4, okay? But they're probably going to be filing several more. And so we can be brought in. And in one case right now, that is when they plan on bringing us in because they've already had an initial filing, but they have not filed their projections. And so not as though we could not do our service after they have filed their projections, but it, it is not a target for our service. For the most part, it, it is those people that have not yet filed projections. So it's two different points in time. Ideally, when they sign the NDA and they are going into the diligence so that uh, when they have their definitive agreement and they are making their initial filing, that in the filing is our RBR summary report. However, it can be in other, any other subsequent filings. And in some cases, by the way, regardless of when we are hired, they may elect to not have a preliminary because a preliminary is going to be updated. It's going to be updated because there is a significant period of time. You may be talking about another quarterly filing of the financial, okay? And so there's going to be an update of the projections that they perform. There's going to be an update of the RBR. So they may well elect to just put the final into the super 8K. However, that will not be typical, I don't think, because of the fact that they very much want to use it. They get significant value out of using it while they are in discussions with the investors, many of whom they are talking with after the initial filing. Great. Well, thanks so much, Jim. You know, it's going to be fascinating to see how this new service picks up and all the new wrinkles I'm sure you're going to be adding as we've now discussed both the readiness and the projection review. But most importantly, just thanks so much for being on. Well, I really appreciate being asked back. As I said, we have had this great initial reception that I mentioned to you, and it is for us very gratifying to at last be signing up clients for the service. And we are optimistic that it will have a broader market reach into the M&A market. And we will see. So thank you very much. Thanks for stopping by, Jim.